0: please feel free to take a seat. If you're currently under a fan, you've scored big time tonight, uh, but we hope you can be comfy. Like I said, my name's Riley. I'm part of the Beyond uh, leadership team here in the community. Uh, And if you've joined us just for this week, or if you were here last week, you'd actually know that we're jumping into this series called Recharge. We've been looking at this idea that as we start to get this to this month of December and it kind of leads into the new year, uh, that a lot of the times we can be overloaded we can have stress. A lot of things can come upon us. We can be bearing a lot of things on our shoulders as we start to lead our way up to Christmas. Uh, but for this year for me, i got to say, I feel like Christmas is looking pretty good. I mean, Ikea's just popped up around the corner. If you've got out to Ikea yet, you would know just getting there is a journey in itself. Just getting to Ikea is a journey in itself. And even though I had the utmost amount of excitement the day Ikea was opening, uh, the first obstacle I had to overcome was even trying to find a car park. Even trying to find a car park this time of year at a shopping center is a big enough deal. But even once you get out of the car park and you use the new elevators and the new elevators aren't really working yet and you've got to get in and you sardines in with everybody else and you're just hoping that there's like another good looking person in there with you that you can have a conversation with and see where things happen. Maybe it's just me. But if you are in that elevator and then you get up to Ikea, I realized as soon as I actually get to Ikea, I have that whole escalator problem. You know when you go to get up an escalator and there's someone in front of you and you kind of like go to step past them but then you can't really, can't really make the gap between them and you don't really know how to, you just, you can't shimmy past them and it's just not possible and even once you get up to the top of the escalator, you have that whole problem where there's traffic coming down one side of the aisle and down the other side it's going the other way and if you're on the wrong side, you're in trouble but then you have the whole problem where you get caught out with the person coming the other way and you have to do the whole, oh, I'm sorry, you go that way, oh, no you go that way and all of a sudden you're both just like tangoing with each other and you don't know which way either of you are ever going. So I had this thing at Ikea where I was there and Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas was blasting uh, over the PC speakers the whole time. And, And just in my frustration, I haven't even got to Ikea yet from the car park to the elevator to the escalators, just trying to get past people. I'm like, Mariah, all I want for Christmas is for things just to slow down. I just need some time to myself here. This is just stressful. How am I going to get all my shopping done in one hit, Mariah? I just need things just to slow down. And for me, this is where things have been heading this time of year in December. And if you have heard things or if you yourself are feeling things right now, you're just feeling like in the midst of uni work or in work itself or in family life, you just like things just to slow down that little bit. Maybe that's something that you've experienced before and even just seeing people work in hospitality or you yourself working in hospitality. Uh, and I want to share a quick story with you as we, un- as we unpack uh, this little bit of Mariah Carey. Because uh, I actually used to work in hospitality myself. I used to work in a crepe cafe. And if you know what crepes are, uh, you must be very exotic because uh, they are those little French thin pancakes that are the type of place you go for a nice date. Will they fill you up? No, but they look cool when they come out. Uh, so I used to work in this crepe cafe. And in the crepe cafe, when I first got the job, my one sole mission... The one objective I had, the one thing I wanted, wanted to learn how to do was to make an amazing latte. But not just latte, make amazing latte art. That was my one sole mission, the one thing I wanted to do really well. So upon my job, I was in there for the first week. I saw the machine and I saw someone use the machine and I kind of got an idea of how it works. Uh, but I knew I kind of had to work my way up to the machine as well because immediately they were like, Riley, we need to jump on dishes straight away. You need to go over and do the dishes. So I was just like, yes, I'm new here. I've got no idea what I'm doing, but I will do the dishes. Had no idea how the dishwasher worked. Very, very different from the dishwasher I have at home. It's industrial. It's got tablets everywhere. But I'd do the dishes. i do the dishes all the time, but I'd never actually ask for help. So when I was there doing the dishes, I'd have like 60 dishes all stacked up on top of each other, and I'd be trying to do them all myself because I was new, and I was trying to do everything right. I was trying to do everything perfectly. And at the same time, somebody else would tell me, Riley, I need to go up here, you need to cut stuff up. And there I was, just cutting things. I'd cut them all day. I'd just be there cutting, but I'd never ask for help. I'd just do it whilst trying to do the dishes at the same time. I was cutting, and I was doing the dishes, and they'd be like, Riley, we need you spinning crepes. So I'm like, I'm Riley, I'll, I'll do it, I'll get it done. So I'd go over, and I'd get my crepe spinner, acknowledge the crepe spinner and how cool it looks. However, crepes are harder than they look. So in the midst of trying to wash things up and cut them at the same time, I'd have to try and spin crepes. And the thing with crepes is you're trying to constantly get them in a nice circular pattern, except my crepes always look like some weird polygon shapes and then you have to flip them and everything would just go out of order and I just have everything in one plate until I actually got over to the coffee machine. Now, within everything, remember, the coffee is the one sole thing, my one mission, the one thing I wanted to tick off the list and do really really well. In the midst of everything and not asking for help, I'd always try and go over and quickly do a coffee just to teach myself. So I'm going to run you through. As I go to the machine and do the whole, get your grind and get the puck and that's the noise it makes. I'd get my milk, tamper it, and I want to show you, in the chaos of everything, everything I was trying to balance up in this first week, The chaos of everything. This is the first latte I poured. It should come up on the screen. This is the first latte I poured. Just pretty much a poo in a cup. However, however, I got to my second latte. So I went through, second latte in the midst of everything. My second pour. So you just get the nice like, I don't even know what that looks like. Just sewage really, sewage in a cup. Never presentable. But by the time, I got to my 67th latte. So in the midst of everything everything I was trying to do, I'd never asked for help when I was on the machine. i tried try and sort this out and fix it myself. My last 67th latte that I got to, shh, and finally, I got one that just looks like a yeast infection on your foot. It was terrible. It was terrible. And in the midst of everything I was trying to do, I could just never could perfect this latte. And you see, the problem was is that the latte art wasn't just affecting me, it wasn't just frustrating me, but my attitude towards work and the feelings I was, uh, had within work and on the coffee machine and everywhere else I was. I actually took it home as well and that affected my family a fair bit because I was frustrated. I just wanted things to work. I just wanted to be able to do it myself and be able to tell myself that I could absolutely nail this latte art. You see, at times when when I try to do things alone, or maybe even when we try to do things alone, we can actually lose sight of our why. Why we do what we do. Because at times when we're trying to do things alone, we can get pretty busy. We can get distracted from the things that we actually really care about. And maybe for you, if you are someone who's stepped in tonight and you identify yourself as a follower of Jesus, you might have found yourself at times trying to juggle things between the relationship you have with Jesus and these seemingly Mariah Carey problems of things that you need. You need more time. You're too busy. You've got too much on your plate. The smallest, smallest things can actually become the biggest things. And we start whipping out that old 15-year-old girl Facebook status. I can't even. I can't even deal. So I want to bring you into this story. As we unpack these ideas tonight, I want to bring you into this story of this guy called Moses. To give you a little bio, a little David Attenborough doco, on this Moses guy. Uh, he was actually once a prince of Egypt. And he actually got exiled for actually killing another Egyptian who was actually beating up an Israelite. Now, this was an odd thing to see. In fact, Israelites being beaten up by Egyptians probably happened um, on more than one occasion. It was an uncommon, uncommon, uncommon sorry, uh, thing during Moses' time. And this is because uh, the Pharaoh of Egypt himself had actually got all the Israelites together and they were actually the slaves of Egypt. And the Pharaoh was actually fearful that the Israelite population would actually rise to dominate Egypt. So these Israelite slaves were actually known uh, as God's people. Whilst grinding away at building temples and idols to worship uh, these Egyptian gods, they were pretty much working the equivalent of a retail shift on Boxing Day every day. They were busting their nut. And these statues that they were building, these aisles that they were building, were actually completely against what they believed. So Moses, this exiled prince, is sent by God to actually return and face the pharaoh as this lone ranger, a lone wolf, a single stallion, an uno amigo, an obi no kenobi. Moses was sent to actually save and rescue these Israelites. His assigned mission to set God's people free and get them out of Egypt, which really, in, in the midst of things and under the rule of the pharaoh, should have been a mission impossible. But if you actually uh, picked up and had a look in Exodus or even see the movie they put out, I definitely recommend the book over the movie. But there's this series of events, these crazy events that occur in which uh, Moses actually calls out this Forrest Gump moment. He says to the Israelites, we're just going to start running and get out of Egypt. We're going to get out of here. And where we're picking up this story from, our old mate Moses has pretty much walked to Mordor and back. With around 2 million Israelites. He's been hiking and Bear in it with them, uh, with this bunch of Israelites and they're tired, and they're hurting, but they also have a lot of questions about this God guy. They have a lot of questions for Moses about what he knows about this God. So what happens next is, is the crew actually pull up in the wilderness for Smoko in this place called Mount Sinai. Uh, and if I was Moses, I'd be thinking at this time, finally, I've got some me time, some time to kick up my feet, bit of Netflix and chill. I get to whack on the new season of Gilmore Girls. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, and just as our lone ranger finally gets to step down off his horse, take off his hat and whack off his boots and chuck in his iPod Nano and just listen to a little bit of Keith Urban magic, what comes next is probably something that he wasn't really expecting. See, Moses had just led about 2 million people out of Egypt. But he's also led 2 million people who have a lot of questions a lot of interpretations, and a lot of ideas about who God is. A lot of ideas and questions we probably have about who God is. So as we check out uh, this verse, and it comes up in Exodus 18, verse 13. If you'd like to follow along in your Bible, U version, uh, Bible app, whatever you'd like to do, if you want to check the cricket score as well, that's totally fine. Uh, but in Exodus 18, verse 13, it actually says that, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses From morning until evening, Moses has been called by God to actually judge these people, not as a judge duty or as a gossip or a punisher, but more so in a way to actually provide them with an understanding about what this life with God actually could look like. And from morning until evening, Moses would attend to this line of people. All day long, people came to Moses to settle these uh, disputes between them and to make a decision in basic legal matters. And see, so the Israelites, they didn't have any written laws uh, or anything to really govern their affairs. So really, Moses was sent by God to actually call the shots, to support the Israelites and judge their way of actually living justly. Now, I don't know about you, but I struggled to even patiently wait in line for like a coffee or a meal. And here is Moses pretty much experiencing the same line that people found on the first day of Ikea all the way up the escalator on opening day and he's experiencing it from morning till evening. You have to assume that the tension of waiting and waiting would have drove people insane. Tempers would have been boiling. People just want to get to Moses for a chat. And here he is after waiting with them, rescuing them and trekking alongside of them all this way from Egypt. Now he's in a position where he's trying to carefully attend to the details of each and every one of them. It was balancing out this, this bubbling frustration that the Israelites must have been feeling in this life. Moses would have been popping Advils regularly with so much on his plate. And I'm sure you know what it's like to have a list of people you need to attend to or even a list of things you need to get done. Maybe you've just actually cleared all those things off your desk for the year. But just as you go to put down your hat for the year, just as you go to clear that desk, it seems that the pile is still there. There's still things that need to be attended to. People are still asking things of you and you still feel like you have to say yes to them. Maybe there's things you need to do because you know if you don't do them, no one else will get it done. Once again, your plate is a never-ending pile of more and more, just like it was for Moses, person by person. And this is where I want to introduce you a new character in our story. There's actually another guy that came in, and this is actually Moses' father-in-law. And he's got a great name. His name's Jethro. And Jethro comes in, and he knows what Moses has done. But he sees what is happening to Moses. So he actually confronts him with a series of questions. And we're going to unpack them as we read on. It says, When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decree and their instructions. See, so really, Moses turns to, to Jethro saying, daddy papa bear, really, you know, this is what I have to do. This is my responsibility to sit here at the end of the line He doesn't ask who else could do it, Jethro, because to Moses, this is his sole mission now. This is his one responsibility. This is the task that needs to get done. This is his what. In some ways, I can resonate with Moses why at times this feels like the right way to approach a challenge. Because I agree that when we take the sole approach, when we go out on the Lone Ranger path to missions we set for ourselves, the general thinking of Moses and ourselves is that I can trust myself more so than I can actually trust other people. Maybe for us today, maybe for us this lone rager approach is good because I know what the end product will look like. And the benefit of this type of thinking is that if I know I can get it done, then people don't need to worry about the stress of dealing with it. Because I'm in control. In fact, you could say uh, that you've actually saved people the burden of worrying about you. You say people are burning, of actually feeling disappointed because they're not actually a part of it. This is something you have your hand over, you're in control, and all of a sudden we can whip out that old sweetheart high school line that it's not a you thing, it's me. It's not you, it's me. It's all good. It's not something you need to worry about. It's my pile and my plate, and I'm in control of it. That way when people ask, how are you going, we can always reply with, yeah, we're not too bad. We're pumping through it. I'm a little bit tired. I'm busy, but... I'm going to be okay. I'm in control. I'm a little bit stressed. I'm a little bit overwhelmed, but it's okay. I just have to get it done. I'll be fine. I'll endure it. It's all okay. I'm strong. These are all things that we can give as a response. And as we unpack what this Lone Ranger style looks like in us today, I want to bring you back to the story of Moses. So I'm sure as someone who saw himself responsible for being the judge to the Israelites, he was probably doing, thinking, and feeling, and saying some of the same things that we could say to people in these situations. So as he consulted with each Israelite from morning to evening, we can only assume some of the thoughts that he would be thinking. As we pull apart this text a bit more and unpack it through these questions that Jethro asked. So they weren't... Uh, asked as an inquiry or to start an argument or to tell Moses what to do or what he was doing was wrong in its entirety, but he actually asked them with this concern, this loving concern from a father-in-law. See, Jethro has seen what Moses has been doing every day. So he actually offers Moses a perspective that Moses can't fully see in the situation he's in. As we pick it up, it says, "Moses's father-in-law Jethro replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. And Jethro says, I can see your attention points towards the Israelites, Moses. That's great. That's great. But the direction you're heading on, the path you're taking right now, it's only going to lead you to a point where you're going to be drained. You're going to be absolutely exhausted. And it's not just going to wear yourself out but it's going to wear others out as well. See, Jethro is concerned and he has no intent to take over, so he provides Moses with a framework. He gives him some application so he can more wisely invest his energy toward what he values. And this is what Jethro offers Moses. He says, you must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave, but select Capable men from all people, men of God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide for themselves, that will make your load lighter, because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands you'll be able to stand the truth and all these people will go home satisfied. And it says next that Moses listened to his father-in-law. He implemented what he asked and he did everything he said. See, throughout his life, Moses' secret power, or maybe it wasn't that much of a secret at all, but the time he actually spent listening to God for the people and before the people for God he became task oriented. Moses lost sight of his primary mission. And not just that, he lost sight and feeling and connection to his primary source of influence and his primary source of strength. The same strength that actually once uh, helped him endure the journey he endured with the Israelites when they fled from Egypt. But he, just as, as we do at times, he finds it so easy to go and put on the Lone Ranger hat and just try and find strength in ourselves. So, Jethro strategically points him back to what he should prioritize and why it aligns with the bigger picture purpose for himself and others. And I can completely understand that at times listening to people can be difficult, taking advice can be difficult. Sometimes asking for help when things are rough is just as challenging. So, when we set ourselves on a path, when the list of things are too high and we feel like we don't have the strength to endure things, it can really only ever lead ourselves to searching for this remaining amount of strength to push us through the next wall. And at times, we can only get thrown back into the same loop again by the same people, the same tasks, and now just expect you to work your butt off because that's all they see you do, and that's all you do do at times. So there may be strength in that, but I can understand the frustration of things when you get distracted by tasks that actually take away from your bigger mission, your bigger uh, picture purpose, the why that gets you up in the morning. Because maybe your life doesn't actually revolve around the workload you take home from the office, the stress of reviewing your finances. Maybe your bigger picture purpose doesn't come into play with the group assignments that you do. Maybe the attention you give to perfecting things by yourself isn't always something you actually necessary, necessarily value. Maybe at times you actually feel overwhelmed because we can't find a way to balance what is happening on the outside with what is actually really staring on the inside. And I can understand uh, these things. and I can understand it for you and I can understand it for myself because these are things that don't just hurt you and me but they also hurt the people around us as well. And sometimes we don't even know. And maybe it's not just from the stress you exert or a panic state or anxiety that could have people worry about you but maybe your bigger picture vision actually involves prioritising the people close to you. Valuing your relationships with school and uni and workmates, your close inner circle of friends, maybe your relatives, your big cousins, your little cousins, grandparents. Even finding the time to actually pour into your own family is actually a big part of your bigger picture vision. Maybe as another Christmas uh, soon roll over and your family continues to grow, You're actually challenged by the time you spent trying to be responsible for the task and how to get them done instead of investing the time in those closest to you, those closest in your life, the ones that can actually recharge you and give you energy and strength. I want to bring you back into the the scenes of my cafe uh, because even though I, I never really got around to pouring a perfect coffee, it actually took somebody else to acknowledge that. Uh, And in my cafe, I actually had a mate of mine uh, called Ellery. And Ellery I'd work with more often than not, and Ellery uh, probably got the most amount of contact with me at work. And Ellery actually saw me one day try and balance up everything that was happening with the dishes. I was trying to chop tomatoes at the same time and trying to spin crepes. But he saw how frustrated I was when I came over to the coffee machine and couldn't pour a good coffee that could be served to anyone. So he actually pulled me aside one day. And he said, Riley, I can see that you're really keen to find out. I can see you're really keen to absolutely nail this on the head. How does it suit for you if we stay behind just an hour after the shift today, just to practice on the machine? And I said, mate, that would be fantastic. We stayed an hour behind. In fact, the next shift, we stayed an hour behind again. And over like three months' time... Ellery and I had kind of figured out how to work this coffee machine a little bit more whilst we're also just drinking a lot of coffee at the same time. However, we got to the stage where Ellery is actually doing a really good job at just teaching me how to pour perfect latte art. In fact, it got to a stage where Ellery actually got a milk crate one day, stepped up on it, and I was like underneath him, and he actually came over me me. Like, it was like date night when you go putt-putting or like mini-golfing or anything like that. Came over me. And he was just like showing me how to pour it properly. And a customer walked by and was like, what is going on there? But Ellery just knew how to help me out. And it actually took Ellery coming up to me and saying, mate, I can see you need help. Please, can I offer it to you? I knew every intention by Ellery was coming with a sincere love and concern. And sometimes, like it was for Moses with Jethro and me and my mate Ellery, we needed someone to actually give us this perspective. This perspective that we can't actually always see in ourselves. It actually takes somebody else to see what's going on. Because the people closest to us, they'll often hurt with us when we take this soulless approach. And as I'd love to invite Muzz back up to, to jump back on the guitar. We actually do this, this thing at uh, Beyond called For Monday because we believe what's the point in coming to church on Sunday? It's not going to change you. It's not going to impact you and influence you for Monday. So this week, I, I want to pitch something to you because I can understand asking for help at times. It might be difficult. It's a challenging thing. Uh, so I'd love to share with you an action strategy to implement this week. And this week's For Monday. I want to challenge you. Just set aside time this week to answer two questions. Two questions. The first one, just to identify where in your current situation do you feel like you're Lone Ranger? Where in your current situation do you feel like you're trying to get things done by yourself when you know you don't need to? And If you can identify that, I want to challenge you just to write down, just to write down a list of the some ones or the some bodies that you can go to and actually be recharged by. The people that you can go to and know that you have full access to them. I want you to note how giving these people access could actually influence not only yourself in the situation you're in, but how it could also influence those around you. Because who is someone this week that you can go to, whether it's for help with a task or just to talk things through, who's someone you can go to that can actually provide you with this perspective that you may not have yourself. They can actually see what's going on. They actually can see that you might need help. What would it look like for you to even potentially say yes to help, say yes to support? Also, you can be in the best position to actually prioritize the things, the relationships that are actually closest to your it's pretty easy and it's probably pretty common to actually perceive needing help as a weakness at times. But what if, what if this strength to actually endure things doesn't come from what you do? Or who you see yourself as? What if this strength actually comes from the what or the who we surrender to? Because people generally don't mind helping. But the who that, that you are surrendering to or giving this challenge to to work through or a feeling, it's not admitting defeat as much as it is identifying that you are valuable enough to not actually do things alone As if there is this, this God that doesn't just look down on a world and see people, doesn't just look down from above but actually has this bigger picture purpose for you and a relationship that hopes to see you be the best that you can be for yourselves and others a relationship that actually had to occur through sacrifice and through death. All for a connection. All for love and concern. I'm what could it, What could it mean to you to actually turn to Him in times of overload, of stress, anxiety, and the busyness and chaos of things? And actually trust that the things that suppress you or the things that weigh you down are things that you don't have to carry alone. What could it actually look like to turn to someone who knows and understands your bigger picture, plan? And how could turning to him in strength impact you and your relationships with others? As we wrap up, I want to pitch it to you. What could it look like for you to not surrender yourself to a task, but actually surrender yourself to someone that sees all you do and knows why you do it? What could it be like for you actually find strength and energy in them. We're going to have a time of prayer now and then I'll flick us back over to the band. Lord, we just pray that as the year starts to roll to an end, God, and the new year begins, that there might be times where we're just caught up in the chaos of things, Lord, as as work starts to die down, as, as school life starts to die down, there's still other things on the table. There might be stresses amongst families here tonight, Lord, and I just pray that. And these times that they can know that these aren't stresses that they need to bring back on themselves. God, at times it's very easy to actually take that lone ranger path and try and figure things out for ourselves and actually try and fix things for ourselves too, Lord. But we know, God, that there's times where we can actually turn to people in our own lives, people within this close circle that we have, Lord. We can turn to them and know that we can actually have full access to these relationships that you've given to us. And that we can go about it with complete acceptance that there is a love and concern behind them. Lord, we just thank you that you came and sent your son to actually a cross for the relationship with us. And that we know, Lord, that there is a bigger picture, bigger picture plan in every one of us. And that we don't need to be disappointed when we are led, lead ourselves to a destination where we try to carry ourselves there, but Lord, but we can actually find great joy and hope knowing that there is a bigger picture plan in store for all of us. That there's a value on our head, Lord, that you've placed that is so great and high. And we just pray as we continue throughout this week that we can actually turn to these someones in our lives, the people that we can go to know that we can ask the questions we need to ask and Lord behind that that we know that you have an intent for us to bear these things in your name. Amen.